Tonight I want to talk about taking ground in prayer. Taking ground in prayer. And uh, this, this, the, the, uh, not I suppose you could say inspiration, but the, the point of, uh, sorry I'm just trying to get to my Bible here. There we go, that one. There we go, good. And uh, this week in, a, in, a, in our eldership team's prayer time, we, we were praying and Taryn said this, she really feels like uh, there's, there's lots of marriages under, under, under pressure, there's some things going down with people's health, there's, there's just some things happening in the community. We actually, we've been praying into that and saying, God, you, you've got to break and you've got to come. And Taryn reminded us on, in, in, the, in, the, in our eldership team prayer, they said, she said this, she said, we've got to remember we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting principalities and, and powers, which means that actually these things are one in prayer. And then on Thursday night at the prayer meeting, we actually, Kathy continued that theme and continued, we, we prayed into, we had an amazing prayer meeting on Thursday night. And, and we prayed into marriages and we prayed into different areas, into employment, we prayed and we said, God, we, we want to see you break in. And so out of that, I th actually thought, you know, if, we, if God is speaking these things, let's, let's continue the flavor, let's talk about what it means to break through in prayer. So if you wouldn't mind turning to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, to verse 20 we're going to read it and then we're going to get stuck into what I feel like God is really wanting us to catch in terms of this very very key area in the life of the kingdom and I think specifically in this time that we're in we're in a season of God breaking through breaking through in our worship breaking through in our in our marriages breaking through in our businesses breaking through in finances breaking through in employment just God breaking through stories are starting to starting to emerge of God breaking through we need to get these stories and and start telling them and actually start stirring people's faith for God to break through so if we want to break through and we want to take ground actually this key area of prayer is absolutely key so let's have a look this area in prayer is key so let's have a look verse 10 I'm reading the ESV finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might we carry on there that word finally most of the earlier trans, uh, trans, uh, manuscripts don't have the word finally, they have, a, they have the word henceforth, which means going on from here. So what Paul's saying is he's saying, going on from everything that I've told you, you were seated in the heavenly realms, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. God was going to put all things under his Jesus' feet. I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you'd know him better. This is all Ephesians chapter 1. God, Paul just says, he's saying, henceforth, going on, going on from understanding that, going into Ephesians chapter 2. You are dead in your transgressions. It's by faith, it's by grace, through faith, that you are saved. You are all workmanship. You're God's workmanship in, in Jesus. And he's got plans prepared for you. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. There's barriers and there's walls around you, but actually God's broken down the walls so that actually we can be one new humanity and one new church and actually there's no walls of division around Jew and Greek and male and female and rich and poor. Actually there's one group of people. Henceforth, going on from that. Chapter 3, he goes into the, 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 the describing the, 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 the administration that was given to him. And he talks about the, the church uh, uh, being the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. Beyond being on display to the principalities and powers, those in the heavenly realms, showing the heavenly realms that actually God is Jesus' king and his people are ruling and reigning on earth. 
going into Ephesians chapter 4, which is about relationships and how we connect with each other and be tolerant and be, be uh, bear with one another in love, he talks about. And he talks about relationships. He goes into Ephesians 5 and talks about marriage and parenting and workplace and all these things. And he says, going on from here, going on from here, understanding that, but going on, pressing on from here, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, all this means nothing if we can't go on and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his strength. We know all that stuff, but actually to execute that, to live that out, to, to live differently, we need the strength of God. We need the power of God. It says, be strong in the Lord and the, in his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to be stand against the schemes of the devil. Amazing, eh? Going on from here, remember that. It's a very key thing. Pressing on from here, understand you've got to have the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Quite a thing, eh? You know the present darkness of apartheid wasn't just human? You know the present darkness of apartheid wasn't just for Wut and a bunch of people. There was cosmic powers at work in that through human agency to bring the devil's plans into work and to thwart God's will. Cosmic powers over this present darkness. When we're praying for South Africa, are we saying, God, deal with him and deal with her? Or are we saying, God, break in by your spirit? Because, friends, what we're living under as a nation is not just human. There's cosmic powers at play. And as the church, we have got authority in the cosmic realm. Because we're seated with Christ, who's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's amazing, eh? Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. There he says it again, the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. You see, okay, let me just move on. That you may be able to withstand in the day of evil and having done all to stand firm. Say so you're going to put the whole armor of God because all these forces at work, it's not against flesh and blood, but if it's not against flesh and blood and it's against these cosmic powers that we can't see but we know that are real, then we've got to make sure we arm it up, that we've got the armor of God on so we can stand in the day of evil. A day of evil was that moment when crisis comes in front of you and it's pure evil and what are you going to do? What's the choice you're going to make? What choice are you going to make when that day of pressure comes, when that moment of fire comes and you think, oh my gosh, now which way do I go? It says you've got to have your armor on. See, when you're in the moment, you can't put your armor on. You've got to have it on before. That's why you've got to be prepared for these things and that's what he's getting at. If you want to press on from all this amazing stuff that I've got for you, you've got to have your armor on, ready to fight. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. 
To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Notice the all the alls in prayer. I'm going to tell you about them now. And also for me that words may be given to me in, op in, in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That's the text. So we understand it henceforth, going on from here, going on from the whole book of, of Ephesians, we need this peace. And so often, friends, we, dis we, we, we disregard this peace and we wonder why we can't live in the blessing of, of the, the beginning of Ephesians. So the first thing is this, we're born into a war. When we get born again, we're born into a war. There is a spiritual realm and it is real. And when you take on the, the person of Jesus, he becomes your personal savior. He becomes the king. You declare him as king of, and lord of all. As soon as you do that, actually what happens is you come against everything that doesn't think he's lord of all. And we've got to understand this. There is a spiritual realm and it is absolutely real. And it is phenomenal in that text when you see there that you may able to be stand against the schemes of the devil. So he's saying, actually, you've got to put the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes. Not the devil, the schemes of the devil. So he's saying, actually, what's going to happen is the devil's going to come up with a plan for your life or a scheme for your life and thwart the plan of God for your life. So he's going to come up with a scheme that takes you away from the plan of God for your life. The schemes. So when, what we understand by that is the enemy is powerful, the enemy is wicked, and the enemy is cunning. The enemy is powerful, the enemy is wicked, and the, and the enemy is cunning. And he doesn't, it's not a solitary figure. Please do understand when we talk about the enemy, he is not a solitary figure. He is a created entity. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. He is a created entity, very subservient to God, very uh, what's the word um, underneath God less than God very much less than God but he is powerful and he is wicked and he is cunning and the Bible says that actually it's not just him but he's got some minions around as well and in Ephesians he talks about rulers and principalities and powers that we wrestle with is the agents of the evil one so this is a real fight this is a real wrestle and we've got to understand that if we want to take ground in God we're up for a fight got it 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 verse 11 says this, talking about forgiveness, says you've got to be somebody that forgives so that Satan might not outwit us. See, when you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, big opportunity for the devil, devil to come with his scheme and outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes, he says in, in Corinthians. And he comes with his schemes. He comes with fear. He comes with panic. He comes with terror. He comes with lies. He comes with accusation. Comes with everything to take you away from the plan of God for your life. But it's all, he's called the father of lies. And so we've got to understand that when we get saved, we get saved into a war. We must never ever think that the problem that we face is confined to, to, to situations or people that we can see. There's always a bigger picture. But can I say this as well? We must never ever think the problem is only in the spiritual realm and never in this realm and especially never with me because it's got to do with everything and everybody and we've got to discern what God is doing and what is God is saying 
Our fight is real. Our fight is spiritual. Our struggle is not with human beings. That's what he's saying. Our struggle is not with human beings. Our, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's with powers and principalities. Amazing, eh? So when we're fighting with somebody, or somebody's disagreeing with me, the first thought is, God, what must I pray for in this situation that's above this, beyond this, this challenge? Because actually this person's made in your image. They might not be acting well, but they're made in your image. What's the story here? What do I pray into? Understand our struggle is not with human beings, but with cosmic intelligences. I love that in one of the commentaries. Our enemies are not just human. There's a demonic realm that we fight into. So what Paul does is he says, I want you to stand firm in the midst of all of this that's going on. Having done everything, I want you to stand. I want you to not panic. Uh, going forward, if you want to live in this, understand you're in a battle, you're in a thing. Now I want you to stand. I want you to stand. It's an amazing thing. He doesn't want you to take ground. He doesn't want you to kind of step into something and fight for something. He just wants you to stand. The reason is, is because if you can stand, God fights for you. If you can stand, God does the thing for you. But if you start to fight and do what God's meant to do, and you leave God standing and you fighting, you're not going to have a good time. But if you can stand and let God do the fighting and do God do the work, it's a different plan, different story. So that's the first thing. The first thing is, know that you're in for a fight. The second thing is this, and if you have a look at uh, verse 18, what happens is in verse 17, he says this in the ESV, he says, um, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, comma, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. He goes and starts to talk about prayer. What's interesting, and Martin or Jones, I give him credit for this, when he unpacked this in his Ephesians, on, on, uh, when he's in his commentary on Ephesians, he, 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 he brings notice to the fact that the, the more literal translations don't do that. They don't put a comma there. They put a full stop and almost like kind of move to the next paragraph. So the New American Standard says this in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, full stop, next paragraph, with all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, and with all, and with all this in view, start to pray. That's what they, they, they tuck into. So you see, actually, I think what Paul is doing, he's, he's saying, going on from here, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Understand you're up for a fight. And, and then he, he unpacks the armor of God. But the reason why he unpacks the armor of God is because he wants us to have a prayer life that takes ground. You see, he, he, the prayer is just not one of the weapons. I think prayer is the weapon. Prayer is the thing that the church is meant to be doing. Prayer is the thing that shifts atmospheres, that shifts cities, that changes things. It is the thing. And what he's trying to do is he's wanting to get the church praying in faith. He's wanting to get the church moving forward and having faith and pressing into what he has for them, partnering with God. When we pray, we partner with God. When you pray, you partner with God in your situations. And then what he does, as I said earlier, you see all the alls in verse 18. Praying at all times, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance for all the saints. You see that? Verse 18. So he's saying this. Actually, I want you to be a church that's praying. 
going on from all this that I've told you in the, in the book of Ephesians, the most magnificent book, going on from there, I want you to be the people of prayer. And I want you to pray at all times, both regularly and consistently. I want you to pray with all prayer and supplication. So he's saying, I want you to pray, pray with all types of prayer. There's not just one way to pray. There's many ways to pray. And you've got to find God and how He wants you to pray for that day. Sometimes it's listening prayer. Sometimes it's worshipful prayer. Sometimes it's praying and, and, and declaring what God has told you. But there's different types of prayer. So it's all times, with all types, with all perseverance. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying. And for all the saints, for all people. So you see in, in Ephesians, he's, he set up this thing around how we build relationships and how we build marriages and how we build children and how we build businesses and all these sorts of things. And he's saying, actually, I want you to pray for all the saints because unity is so special in my kingdom. But you see, including myself, most of us pray sometimes with some prayers and some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. And I'm saying, God, when I read this text and are reminded again by your word of God, I want to pray all the time, with all types, with all perseverance, for all people. You see, this is what Paul's wanting us to go to. And what's incredible, he says, pray in the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is not just, well, what's on the list today? Let's pray. Praying in the Spirit is relational prayer. It's relationship with God prayer. So praying in the Spirit, for me, means that He gives you what to pray for. Praying in the Spirit means He directs it and then He empowers it. So often we go with our shopping list for prayer. And Paul's saying, actually, I want you to pray in the Spirit. You know when you're praying in the Spirit, one hour feels like five minutes when you're praying in the Spirit. Because it's just, it's just you in God. You know those prayer meetings. Pray in the Spirit. Matthew chapter 11 talks about it like this talks about praying yourself into prayer pray yourself into prayer start to pray in tongues start to find God start to build yourself up in him and then begin to pray and then to find God and eventually the overpowering over bubbling over topping power and presence of God starts to flow and actually prayer becomes easy and he's saying praying in the spirit praying the spirit on all occasions just just allow God to move you prepare yourself for prayer that's why when we have prayer meetings on a Thursday, we often lead with worship. Because what we've got to do is we've just got to position ourselves to be in the Spirit so we can hear what God's saying and then prophetically move into what He's saying and then pray those things into being. That's why those, we come through the day and you oh, go, what's happening? And we just come back, peace, calm. What's God saying? We pray in the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is always in you, but we are not always in the Spirit. So John says this in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. So like there can be a Lord's day where you're not in the Spirit. But on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard. My senses were awake. See, I think this is what he's talking about. He wants the church to pray in a relational way. Not with a shopping list way. God, I've given you my life, so now you must give me everything I want. It's a different kind of prayer. It's a different attitude, a different posture to pray. And I think what Paul's wanting to do 
He's saying, you've got to fight. If you want to press on from what you know, actually you've got to fight on your hands. And the key to that winning that fight is prayer. Now come, let's pray together. Prepare, prepare yourself in prayer. See, praying in the Spirit needs calm and peace. See, praying in the Spirit needs for you to find the high ground. You know when you're fighting a fight and you don't have the high ground? I recently played uh, paintball at my nephew's birthday party. And my brother and I took on all the cousins. Just to let you know, we won. Mainly because we went to my brother's car and loaded out. We didn't just get what they gave us. They, we loaded that thing with bullets. We had a whole, we just, just endless. It's just amazing. But you know what happens in those moments? As soon as you're in the ditch and you've got the low ground and somebody's got the high ground, you can't move. You're pinned down. And so what, if you want to pray in the Spirit, if you want to get to that place, you've got to get into the high ground with God. That's the key to being praying in the Spirit. You've got to get to the high ground. And you see what happens here in Paul with this whole thing of the armor of God. And so we have this, I've heard this before and I've preached this before. When you get up in the morning, you just put the armor of God on them. It kind of, it becomes quite like, uh, what's the word, pragmatic or uh, kind of simple. Like just put the armor a little bit religious, bordering on. But what he's actually saying, he's saying, actually I've given you everything to be on the high ground. Now get onto the mountain and begin to pray in the spirit don't pray from the valley when you're in the valley you can't see anything when you're in the valley all you can see is the fight but when you're on the mountain wow now you can see what God has for you you can see the movement of the enemy you can see the beauty of God's creation and now you can begin to walk in his spirit begin to declare what he is saying into the atmosphere and into the situation that you're facing but you know what friends most of us don't spend our energy praying. Most of us spend our energy trying to get to the top of the mountain. Because we don't believe what God has given to us. You see, God didn't give you or put you at the bottom of the mountain and say, now go for it. Let's see if you can get to the top. No, no, no. In Jesus Christ, what he did, he put us on top of the mountain and he said, now go for it. Live from that place. Live from that place. Even when you're going through tough times and you're going through valley moments, Make sure that in your heart you're on top of the mountain. Because in Jesus, I've got everything. And if you start to look at the armor of God, it's everything He's given us. You've just got to believe that we've got it. And so, how do we get to high ground? How do we get to high ground? The first thing He does, He says this. I want you to put the belt of truth on. Now the belt of truth, that was the belt that went underneath the armor. It was kind of the thing that tucked your clothes up so that you could be ready for action and put the armor on. But you see, if we're not living in truth, we're always in the valley with the enemy. Because he's the father of lies, remember. So he's saying, actually, what I want you to do, first of all, you live in the, with the belt of truth. It's, it's, two, it's two part. It's the truth of the word of God. Friends, we're in a generation where the church is biblically illiterate. Biblically illiterate. They don't know Abraham from Noah and David from Goliath. Friends, we've got to get into the truth of the Word of God. It is the, it's the preparatory thing that we have before you even put the breastplate of righteousness on. You've got something of the truth of the Word of God. But more than that, it's actually living in truth. 
if we're hiding, friends, and we're living in lies, we're, we're living valley lives, we're living enemy lives. But when we're living in the light and living in truth, where we can be honest and vulnerable and transparent with one another, friends, we're living in the light and it keeps us on top of the mountain. The second thing he does, he says, put your breastplate of righteousness on. And I love this because it's the righteousness that you have is what God gave you. You are the righteousness of Christ because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. If you put your faith in him, you become somebody that, living, that, that God sees you as having lived the life that Jesus lived and died the death that Jesus died so that you can perfectly become the righteousness of Christ. He says, you, you see friends, if you don't believe that you're the righteousness of Christ, that God loves you, that God has your hand, as God's for you, that God has put you into victory, he's put you into a place of victory, he's put you on top of the mountain, if you don't believe that and you think that actually your sh shame and guilt overrides you, you never can live at the top of the mountain. You go there for a moment and zoom, down you go again. Back to fight the enemy on his terms. Righteousness. Believe what God has done on your behalf. You see, friends, this is not something we should be fighting to believe. This is something that the gospel gives us. If we don't, we're never going to pray and win the battles that God's called us to like he wants us to. The third thing he does is he says this, he talks about the readiness. He says this, he says, as for shoes for your feet, so I mean he's looking at the Roman soldier and kind of putting a belt on, putting a breastplate on. He's not giving all the armor, but he's kind of just using an illustration of somebody that's going into battle. And he says, as for your feet, and as for shoes for your feet, Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Put on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's an amazing thing. Eh? So I've always read that as the third part of the armor is the gospel of peace. I've always kind of, when you read that, the gospel of peace, yeah, it's kind of truth, righteousness, the gospel. That's the armor. You know, you know what he says here? He doesn't say that. He says this. He says, the breastplate of righteousness, da, 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 and put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So actually what he's saying is, is part of your armor, your feet, for you to get around, is you've got to be ready. It's part of your armor. You, when you are born again, are born ready. You don't have to go to university to minister. You don't have to have some special qualification to minister. All you need is the qualification that Jesus says, you are good and you're righteous in my sight. I go and minister. Be ready. Be ready. And you know what happens is, friends, we, when we preach a gospel where we're not ready, where the church is posturing on its back foot instead of on its front foot ready to minister and ready to pray in the Spirit, what happens? We miss the moments in God. I love in verse 11, he says, stand therefore, and he talks about those three things. Those three things. The truth, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of readiness. Then he goes on. In verse 16 he says, In all circumstances. I saw this this morning for the first time. In verse 14 he says, Having stand therefore, 
having put the, bre- the belt and the breastplate and the, the shoes on. He says, but now in all circumstances, it's like a different division. And in my mind, I see a Roman soldier that's got shoes on, he's got a breastplate on, and he's got his belt on. And kind of you can, when you're in camp, that's how you walk around. When you're, unless you're fighting a fight, unless you're going into the battle right now, you don't pick up your sword, you don't walk around with your sword in your hand when friendly territory. You don't have to have your helmet on, you kind of, after battle, take the helmet off, put the shield down, put the sword down, and you walk around. You see, those are the foundational things that actually God wants to put in our lives for victory. Truth, righteousness, and readiness. But then he says, but in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So he says, actually, if you want to pray in the Spirit from the mountain top, actually you need to be in faith. You need to be in faith. You need to be believing what God has said. You need to be believing what God has said. My question to us tonight, do we believe what God has said, even when we're not seeing it? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, is believing, in, for, believing for something in God, even though it looks so unlikely, but God has spoken. That's faith. And that faith is like a shield, he says. It's like when you're living in that place and you're believing in that, you're contending, actually what you do is like a shield and it actually receives the darts. So the darts of accusation come, the darts of legalism come, the dart of relational dysfunctionality come, the darts of disqualification come, and actually it, it bounces on there because you say, yeah, 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 but God said. And so it doesn't have an effect on us. So it actually enables us to pray in this place of strength. The next thing he talks about is the helmet of salvation. Friends, and, and, and other places in the scripture, it talks about the hope that comes from the helmet of salvation. So not only do we need faith in all circumstances, so when we're going out to battle, we pick up our, our shield but, and we put on our helmet. And what that helmet means, friends, is that when we're praying, when, we try, when we're on top of the mountain, we've always got hope. We are prisoners of hope in the gospel. And he says, I want you to be people that understand the hope that is yours in salvation, the, the absolute power and blessing and favor that is on your life because of, the, of what I've done for you. And that should always be a hopeful thinking and helpful, help, hope-filled lifestyle. The next thing he says, he says, I want you to pick up the, the, sword of the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word there is the rhema Word of God, is the specific Word of God. It's not the general logos of God, the general revelation of God. It's the specifics of God for you. And that's what he calls the sword of the Spirit. It's amazing, eh? So think of this now, the spirit, remember this is the armor of God. So this is the armor that God designed us to have. And one of those things is the sword of the spirit. So when the spirit goes out to battle, he picks up a sword, which is the words that he's speaking to us. The prophetic words he's speaking to us. The words that he's spoken to us over the years. And you fight with those words. Peter, um, Paul says to Timothy, I want you to, to fight with the prophetic words that were given to you at the laying on of hands for you. So there's the sword of the Spirit. I thought this morning what we've also got to be careful with the sword of the Spirit, which is the words of God, which is this powerful prophetic promise that God's given to us, is He doesn't give us two swords. We don't get a word and then a word. And we, like one of those lanis, those guys that... You could do that, but that's not the way God designed us to fight. 
You see, as soon as you've got too many swords of the Spirit, too many words, you actually nothing of it turns into faith and everything turns into a fight. But actually what he does is he says, I want you to have one sword of the Spirit and he wants you to have one shield of faith. So that sword that I've given to you must turn into faith that can take you and sustain you in times of prayer for all people with all kinds of prayer, with all perseverance at all times. It's quite amazing, eh? It's quite an amazing picture. And he's saying this, I want you to be on the mountain in prayer. I want you to be in the mountain in prayer, praying in the Spirit. Where are you, friends? I want to ask us, where are we? Where are we in this story? Because actually what God is wanting to do in this nation, in this church, in this city, in the nations of the world, is His church wants, it's like He wants to get His church arising, but the arising church means a praying church. At all times, for all people, with all kinds of prayer, and never giving up. Amazing, eh? He says, you understand all of this, but pressing on, pressing on, that's great. You've heard this. You've heard, you've heard the theology. You've heard the thing. Now, pressing on for that prayer. Friends, there is a spirit of prayer if there's such a thing that is going to come upon this church and upon this city, which is going to see revival come. See, that's not going to come by, but it's not by human effort either, but it's, it's this moment of prayer in the spirit of God where from the top of the mountain we pray. we're talking about the mountain I think of Jesus with his disciples going up with the the three going up to the mountain Mount of Transfiguration and they see Moses and they see Elijah and they see Jesus and Peter in this moment of absolute wonder at seeing Jesus unraveling himself in all his glory and seeing into that spiritual realm that I was talking about seeing into that he says can I build a house up here Jesus says, no, 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 my boy. You see, the top of the mountain is not a place for you to build a mansion. The top of the mountain is a place for you to pray and go. The top of the mountain is a place where you hear God, you get your instructions, and then you go into all the world, praying on all occasions, knowing what it means to stay on the mountain when you're at work, knowing what it means to stay on the mountain when you're at play, knowing what it means to stay on the mountain when you're at church, knowing what it means to stay on the mountain in your marriage, because actually we learn and we grow the muscle of prayer to such a place that actually becomes second nature to us. God is looking for a church to stand up and pray. Maybe you, tonight, are wallowing in the valley. God wants to say, come up to the mountain with me. Come up to the mountain with me. When you look up here, it's not as bad as what you think it is down there. You think you're going to get overwhelmed here? Come and look up here and see what I have for you. Some of you are, some of us, not you, us, me. This is me. You know why I'm preaching this? Because this applies to me before it applies to you. I'm the first one to say, I can do this. I'm the first one to say, let's make a plan. I'm the first one to say, you know what? Actually, I can scheme. I've got my God's saying, listen. Do you want to live in the valley or do you want to live in the mountain? Do you want to do the fighting or do you want me to do the fighting? Simple. And some of us are in the valley and we, we can't get out of the valley and we're wondering why. It's because we haven't understood that there's a truth, a belt of truth. There's a righteousness that's ours 
There's a readiness that's ours. Are you ready? Some of us have gone passive, friends. And we wonder why we're fighting enemy after enemy. It's because we're passive. We've lost the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. We've lost something of the faith. What God said to us. Friends, I say this again and again. Some of us need to go back, get our prophetic words, dust them off and hear what God said to us 20 years ago. Because God didn't change his mind between then and now. We've just taken a bit of a duck and a duck. Put the helmet of salvation on. Put hope again in your mouth. God's favor is on you. God's goodness is with you. And pick up the sword of the Spirit. That specific word that he spoke to you. Translate that thing into faith and begin to pray that into being and wrestle that into being with God and with your family and with your friends. This is not a, this is not a, a, a me and my only thing. This is a community thing. We hold each other's hands up and we say, God can win. When your hand, when Moses' hands were up, Joshua won, lost. When his hands dropped, Joshua lost. When, Joshua, when his hands were up, he won. And we need to be holding each other's hands up in the midst of the battle at the top of the mountain in prayer. And we'll see God win many, many battles. I believe that's the season that God has for us. If you've been in the valley and you don't know how to get and you're thinking, I'm fighting and I don't know what to go. Friends, tonight is a night that you're going to get up the mountain again. You know, and worship tonight, again, worship tonight. Lou, you did so wonderfully. Thank you. She's got a warrior's heart in worship. You know, when we worship together like that, when we worship together communally, it's a mountain experience. It's like God takes us to the top of the mountain. And when the preaching of the word comes, he speaks to us on the top of the mountain. We agree with what he's saying and then we outwork that through our lives, Monday to Friday, the rest of our lives. And tonight we went up onto the top of the mountain. What we don't want to do is slip back down on Monday morning into the valley. Can we stand please? I want to pray for us. I just want to pray for us. I want to pray. I feel like this is like a word in season for us now. Because God wants to break through. But he's not going to, he wants to break through in partnership. He doesn't want to break through with, and so that you can boast and we can boast in what we did. Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to boast in what he did. We're going to say, all we did is we got to the top of the mountain. We didn't even get there. Jesus put up there, gave us the favor and goodness on the top of the mountain, and now we pray that into being by the Spirit of God. Amazing, eh? This morning when I was preaching, I actually hadn't, didn't have it prepared. I've got to believe it was God. You know there's two sets of three that I spoke about. The first one is truth and righteousness and readiness. Then he says in all circumstances, he talks about faith and hope and the sword of the Spirit. And the picture that I had in my mind as I was preaching was that some of us have served God for a long time and we know what it means to be on the mountain. And so we have this thing of truth and we understand the thing of righteousness and we kind of have got this thing of readiness but we've got tired and so what we've done is we put down the faith and we put down the sword of the spirit and we've taken off our helmet of hope and we're living our lives and we just we're kind of in a posture of passivity which is the idol of Durban just by the way of apathy and passivity and I feel like for some of us 
Some of us are in the, in, the, in the valley and actually this is an invitation for you to come back to the top. But there's others of us that have been walking with God for a long time and we've got to again pick up the sword of the Spirit and we've got to again put the helmet on our head and pick the shield of faith up. Because actually God is not finished with you. God's just starting with us. What God has for us is absolutely glorious. What God has for this city is absolutely glorious. Are we prepared to be mountain people? Or are we going to be valley people? Even that song tonight, the dry bones will come alive. God asked Jeremiah, go into the valley and see what do you see, prophesy. But the reason why he had to go into the valley because he lived on the mountain. He lived on the mountain, he heard God, and God said, go and prophesy to the, the bones. But then we're back to the mountain again to hear what God's saying. And we're back into the valley prophesying to the bones, life, come alive, bones. And we're back up again because we never lose touch with this amazing God that set us up for power, an incredible provision, an incredible presence, and an incredible future with Him. So if that's you tonight, either of those two groups of people maybe you've been serving God for a long time and you put down your sword and your helmet and your shield or actually you've been living in the valley and you've been saying God this is not fair this is not fair just one thing to the next one thing to the next surely Lord please actually I feel like God's saying my son or my daughter put on your righteousness get ready for what I want him to do come up to my mountain up to my mountain so I can speak to you I want you to begin to pray in the spirit and begin to declare what I'm speaking to you and you're going to physically see these things shift and change in the vista of your view on the top of the mountain if that's you either of those two groups of people I'd love you to come forward I want to pray for you we want to pray for you don't be shy Valley living. Now valley is for fighting, not for living. Mountain is for living, not for fighting. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of... Just come forward. We're going to pray. I believe God is going to shift something in our hearts. Where our prayer life is going to suddenly be a place of joy and intimacy. Where our prayer life is going to be effective. The, the prayers of a, a righteous man, uh, James says, are powerful and effective. It's like God is going to put us into a different posture and we're going to begin to see things happening. Friends, we are going to have a moment in this church where our prayer meeting on a Thursday is going to be the meeting of the week. That is coming. We're growing in momentum, growing in power, growing in presence on a Thursday. You've got to get there. It's absolutely amazing. And that meeting is going to be the meeting because actually that's going to be the meeting that actually pushes out and begins to do what God's doing. Begins to, we begin to see it. And the fruit of those prayers, we're going to begin to see in a powerful way. But if you, that's if those speaking to you, just come forward, come forward. We're going to pray. Come forward. I know there's more people. I'm not going to... Just come forward.